the antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck. Nothing. 
Thanks for tuning in the latest from The Antidote. Tonight's guest is a band I've long been a fan of. The ongoing concept is one of those bands that can't be pigeonholed into a certain type of music. They've always brought in such a huge range of styles. I read something recently in Variety that there are 100,000 songs released to the music market every single day. That's got to make it tough for any creator to stand out from the rest of the crowd. That's why an artist needs to be unique in one form or another. That's always what the ongoing concept has done. But it hasn't been an easy ride for the band. They lost the bulk of their band members several years ago. Fortunately, they've worked through their problems and reconnected to release their new album, which they've accurately titled Again. Frontman Dawson Schultz and I connected for an incredibly long talk, so this is going to be the first of a two-part feature. Tonight we'll get into a bit of their past music, like our opener, Sidelines, which came from their 2013 debut full-length, Saloon. Okay, so that's enough of me talking. Let's hear what Dawson has to say, and we'll bring in Amends from their album titled Handmade. It's a pleasure to welcome back Dawson Schultz of The Ongoing Concept. Thanks so much for coming to The Antidote, Dawson. David, it's been awesome just chatting with you before the show. Um, I, I still, I, you told me a little bit, but I can't, I still can't remember. We did connect in the past, but were you actually physically interviewing us or was it just a over-the-phone thing back in 2015? No, you and I were actually sitting at a Tim Hortons having a coffee together. Oh, and that yeah. was in Toronto in 2016. Okay. Yeah, that was a crazy day too. So th- my mind is a, probably a little shuffled because for one, that was the first time we played Canadian shows. And I am Canadian myself, but it was the first time we actually had played any any shows. And I remember it being really tough to like get our gear in. It was just a really crazy time. So I do remember that now, but it was um, a lot happening <laughs> that day. <laughs> Crossing the border for bands is so difficult. It was really difficult. The day before, I believe, we were in Montreal, and that was really weird because for some reason it's like if you don't speak French, they look at you like you're an idiot, and it's like, well, yeah, because we're we're um, from America. I'm sorry that I, I don't know what you're talking about, but they stopped us at the border, and we were there for like three hours, and it was really I mean, I've been to the border a million times being Canadian and going back and forth because I live up in northern Idaho. So, mm-hmm. you know, BC is only 100 miles away. And that was where I was born was um, British Columbia. So I'm used to it. But that was a really rough three hours. The whole entire tour package was stopped at the border. I think they even did like a, a, a there's a show that is like Border Patrol that like search people and blah, blah, blah. I think they were actually filming and they actually filmed in one of the tour. It was Sleepwaves bus. They did an episode on it. Yeah. And so it was like they had to stay even longer because they were doing a show. It was just such a crazy time. But I do remember our talk now that you brought it up. Yeah. We have to explain this. Your dual citizenship? Yes. Um, So my whole family is Canadian. My mom and my dad were born in Creston, um, British Columbia, and... We were all born basically all in the same hospital. It's it's crazy, like and only a hundred miles um, north of where I live now. But we were able to become dual citizen because my grandpa 
was an American. And my mom and my dad really, especially my dad, because he's he's owned his own elect, uh, electrical company since mm-hmm. like I was born, like 30 years now. And it's in that area of Canada, Creston, BC, there's just not a lot of opportunity for entrepreneurship in a way. My dad really wanted to take his business to the next level. So for like 10 years, my mom and my dad just lived in America on like a resident alien kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked for a while. But of course, my mom really wanted to to stay here as long as she, or forever if she could. And so because of my grandpa being American, she was able to do the the citizenship. It took a long, long time. And they had to do a lot of stuff, pay quite a bit of money, I think. And then I had to do like a test and all this stuff. Like it was like a long endeavor to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But because me and my two brothers uh, were under the age of 18, when they became citizens, we got grandfathered in and we didn't have to do anything. We just automatically became (laughs) US citizens. So we got very lucky. And within, I think it was like the year or two years after this all happened, the chain of using your like father as an American citizen to become a citizen, it doesn't exist anymore. So my mom was able to just get, just slide in right before that law was passed that you can't do it that way. So we got very lucky. Yeah. Some things in life are just too difficult to comprehend. Yeah. And of course I was so young, I didn't even understand what was happening, but now I look at it and I'm like, it's so, it's so nice to be able to have dual citizenship. Like, just because it's... It's so convenient. It's very convenient, yeah.
Okay, well, back to 2016. At that point, you and I were talking about the release of Handmade. So that was your sophomore album. That was, yes. You know, following that, something serious happened. The band lost all of its original lineup, except for you. I never <laughs> heard the story. Like, what happened? Um, well, I've done the elevator speech a bunch on this one because it's basically the same question that I get asked every single time. Mm-hmm. But but we're in a... I feel like it's easier to talk about it in this setting. With you, you have a better way of um, asking me these questions. <laughs> so <laughs> I, can, I can break it down a little bit more, like, in depth. Um, so, you know, we did that tour with Norma Jean and Sleepwave and 68 and everything. And literally the day we got home was when the guys actually told me that they were leaving. And I had no idea. Like, it was kind of a crappy situation. Like, there was not really any... There is a lot of immature communication, like in every department, my mine included. And it was a little devastating, obviously, because it's like your whole band just quit. And and for me, I was very much attached to the band in such a way that my whole identity was the band. Mm-hmm. Wake up every morning and there's nothing else other than the band. You know, your family is second. Your relationship, you know, is third like who knows like what it is it's but but number one is always the band so it was, it was a little bit of a jarring thing and so yeah that's basically what happened and i guess i obviously a lot of bitterness happens from a lot of that uh, at first and um but i wanted to keep it going so i i got some good buddies of mine some of them have been involved with the ongoing concept behind the scenes um ian nelson who has helped me with a lot of music videos in the past. He became our bass player. Um, Andy Croteau, who has helped me with a lot of stuff as well, and also was like, he played like the sheriff in the saloon video. Like he's just been okay. a longtime friend. Yeah, he he joined as the guitar player. Uh, and then uh, my other friend, Cody, who had toured with us as a touring drummer, because a lot of times Parker was in school when we were touring, and he couldn't do it because he just didn't want to homeschool. He just didn't have the drive to, to homeschool. And so we had Cody tour with us quite a bit for like three years. And so I had Cody join as well. So here we have three new members, basically more of like a touring act. And I'm just like the sole member, I guess. But, you know, we, we did grow as a band through that um, when we started touring again. And, you know, we kind of made it like a permanent member change. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we wrote the next album, Places.
That was You Will Go, tonight's first track from the Ongoing Concepts Places album. Now, if you're really going to pay attention tonight, you're going to find that each of the song titles kind of fit each part of the conversation I had with Dawson Schultz. Coming up soon is the Ongoing concept song Punisher. Up next, Dawson speaks about the problems that so many bands run into. I was all bitter kind of towards my brothers and, and TJ like throughout the entire album cycle. It just sucked because there was a lot of financial stuff that kind of was underlining that, that I kind of got stuck with. And there's just a lot of things that communication would have helped a lot. And now that we're all back together, like it's it, we joke about it because it was just such an immature time of all of our lives. But it really boiled down to the fact that like Parker really needed a new, he just needed to live a normal life. Like mm-hmm. he just needed to go to school. I think he was in 10th grade or 11th grade at the time. He just wanted to finish out his time. He wanted to make friends that were his age. He wanted to wake up in his own bed every morning and just kind of do what he wanted to do instead of having, you know, two other brothers looming over him. So that was his biggest reason, I think. Kyle had just gotten married um, at the time, and I think at the same time, too, he just wanted to be a married, you know, husband and work a normal job and make money and, like, not have to worry about financial stuff. He wanted to get a a well-paying job. That's the thing, is that when you're touring in these bands at the level we were at, you're basically barely breaking even. Mm -hmm. And when you mean breaking even, I mean you're breaking even in the sense that you've not lost any money. But yet no one has actually made any money because you've just gone six weeks without working a single day. You're not bringing any of that money. You're not, we're not paying. We're not, no one's on salary. We're just making enough money that we came home. We don't have to actually owe anything. But not a single person has been paid for their time. So, I mean, think about trying to have a family on that. At some point, it does start to get better. But, like, we still had probably another year, if not two, of doing that same thing before we actually started making as much money as we would if we were working a full-time job. It's not sustainable for anybody, realistically, especially when you're just married. So, I mean, that was the biggest reason for Kyle, I think. And TJ was the same way. You know, he he wanted to just get a job and live life and, and grow up and, and just experience things and not be stuck in a van all the time. So that was really, like, the big part of it. It, it also had to boil down to the fact that I – I was very controlling, like I do everything myself, but it, it was getting to a point where I was micromanaging everything and no one wants to be micromanaged beyond micromanaged. And I just had a way of like, if you can't figure it out within 10 minutes, I'm going to just do it myself. And like, I just didn't let anyone do anything because I was so particular on how I wanted everything to sound, look, be, and this and that. And so I felt like, I think everyone felt like they just weren't even a part of the band. They were just in for the ride and didn't have any input anymore. So, you know what? You sound like me. <laughs> what? Oh, really? What do you mean? Like, have you been like that? Is that? Oh, it's just everything has got to be done perfectly. And that is how it has to be. And yeah. can't spend time for training because they're just going to do it myself. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, it's a skill to let go and understand that it might not come out the way that you imagined it but it could still be good. And I've it's taken me six years of learning that behavior, I guess. And it's not easy. It's not easy to let go and let someone else take over because mm-hmm. 
it's like going such against the grain of your soul to not get involved. So I don't know. I mean, we've all just grown up so much. And I think honestly, throughout those six years, like since all this happened, throughout all of that, like everybody grew up a lot. Like Kyle now has two kids. Um, so he's happily married and has kids, family, doing his thing, has a cool house that he just bought with 10 acres and him and his wife are like building like an Airbnb thing. And like he lives off the grid, doesn't really have a phone, barely can get a hold of him if I want to. Um, he's a no social media. Like Kyle is off the grid. He's awesome. And Parker, similar the same way. Like he's very much like kind of doing his own thing and, you know, he's getting married in July and uh, TJ is doing his own thing. Yeah, there's so much progression and learning that happened within the last six years. But I think what kind of brought us all back was just having those growing up years, but then also like starting to hang out as more like a family and, and friends slash brothers. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, we were we were just business partners and brothers. And there wasn't really any friendship there, like especially between me and Parker and Kyle. Kyle and Parker were friends beyond the band, but me, I wasn't friends with my brothers beyond the band, which is actually very unhealthy when you look back on it. But you're brothers, so you don't realize that there's a difference between brothership and friendship. And if those aren't the same, then there's definitely like something wrong. You can't just say, well, we're fine because we're brothers. No, it doesn't always work that way. I thought it did.
I spent a couple years, 2018, 2019, early 2020, just becoming friends with my brothers. And it was, it was slow, you know, it was slow because mm-hmm. I was still a little bitter and everything. But a big part of the change, I think, in me was I got a job working in the mental health field, and uh, which I've really been passionate about. And I'm very passionate about the company I work for and seeing them grow. And I think the second thing was I found um, my now wife, Emily, who we met in 2019, started dating in 2019. And um, I think she is a big reason why I have changed who I am a lot. And all of those variables, I think, made us come back together. And it was kind of just like a slow thing. But after a while, we were like, hey, let's... uh, let's just see what happens if we start to write a song together. And it kind of became that, you know, coming over like once a week and just more so hanging out, not always writing anything. We just hang out and watch stupid YouTube videos and laugh and have fun. Mm-hmm. But we do a little bit of writing here and there and, and things started to come together. And I had no, I had no like plans for ongoing concept stuff. Cause I was like, there's nothing to really lose. Like everyone has accepted that the band is kind of like done at least like, you know, people on the outside, so all we have is to just, you know, just have fun and see if anything comes of it. But the more we started writing, the more we started enjoying what we were doing. And then the more the ideas of actually doing a full album came about. Okay, so you've had the situation with your brothers. And as you said, their brothers and their bandmates and their business members. How differently did you treat the new lineup that you had for places? It had to be a whole different dynamic. Yeah, it was definitely a different dynamic, for sure. I mean, I was the youngest in that group. I I was the oldest with everybody else, but I was now the youngest of this new group. And I definitely approached things differently because I had just lost, you know, three people and I wanted to not have that happen again. And so I definitely did a lot of self-reflecting on what I could do differently. And I mean, with this group, there was a lot more of like a... I at least I felt I don't know if that's how they felt but I definitely felt like it was more of like you're kind of a touring member and you're not really like the ongoing concept it's kind of me but at the same time too they did offer a lot of stuff when we're writing places you know there was a lot of especially Andy and that's why Andy is still in the band now is because Mm -hmm. Andy provided um, tons of creative help and he's an amazing writer and like he was the most adamant about being a part of the ongoing concept. The other two were great too. And I, I totally think they were really into it as well, but I think they also had their other things and, you know, Ian was in a bunch of other bands at the same time and he's moved on to, to totally different style of music. I, I think metalcore was not really his forte, mm-hmm. but also I still kind of had my, my um, controlling vibes that I think didn't mesh well with them as well. And I I think the different thing about them was that they straight up told me that I was being a horrible person sometimes (laughs) Uh, where my brothers would tell me it too. But like when it's your brothers telling you, sometimes you kind of just like brush it off a little bit more. Um, But with these guys, it was a little bit more, uh, I don't know. It's just a different, whole different like vibe. And I, I definitely enjoyed it. It was definitely fun. Uh, but it just never really felt like the same as having, you know, the original guys. This is Dawson Schultz from The Ongoing Concept, and you have discovered the antidote. Something new has got a hold of me. Oh, 
Another song from the Places album, Domesticated says, Domesticated, my life is tired and jaded. Maturity is holding down my feet. I'm really not sure if that's truly age-related or if it's just feeling that way due to a situation they're involved in. So maybe we don't know about the intentions of Domesticated, but Dawson does tell us about the song Bargain. So it was a different vibe having the guys there. And something else was that lineup, as you had already mentioned, created places. And that album I find to be different because I was considered it maybe a bit more toned down compared to your previous releases. Or am I misreading that album? No, it's totally different. Like, because, you know, that was the thing was that once Kyle decided to quit, 
I now had to take on the screaming duties and become front man, which, I mean, I, I, I know how to scream. I know how to do those things, but it was like, now I have to do that. Plus I have to sing. And it was like all this stuff. So I think with that album, I was really trying to kind of find a way to uh, do less screaming, more singing, and just make it so that I wouldn't be dead by the end of a set. Because like <laughs> right. trying to do some of these songs like Saloon or like Covergirl or like any songs that involved, you know, going back and forth between Kyle and I, I now had to do all myself, which is exhausting. So I think with this record I, or with places, I was much more focused on like, how can I survive a set with these songs opposed to like, what sounds good. So definitely a little bit toned down um, due to just future thinking, <laughs> I guess you could say. But I was really, I was kind of over like the really crazy thrashy stuff. And I was really into more of like the groovy singing stuff at the time, which I still am. Actually, I'm probably more so even now. I, I was just wanting to do something with a little bit more like singing, I guess, at the end of the day really what I consider to be one of the standouts from places is Bargain. And really, that might be the mildest song the ongoing concept has ever done. Yeah, that is a pretty mild. I mean, Sidelines is pretty mild. Um, there's a Melody as well that's pretty mild on Handmade. But yeah, Bargain is pretty, pretty, pretty mild. You know, something else about it is that it's also introspective. I am where I was meant to be. Am I going where I planned? So the question is, did you find the answer? Um, I found the answer now. I, I don't... <laughs> that <laughs> The funny thing about that... Uh, I don't even want to say it. That funny thing about that song, that song is about my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's about... Uh, well, you a, did find the answer because now it's somebody completely different who you married. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But it's weird because that song is about my um, lack of commitment due to touring all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's just not holding up my end of the deal and kind of focusing more on my band than I am focusing on the relationship. And uh, yeah, I mean, to an extent, I think you're right. I did find the right person. And I think now... I definitely have a grasp on how to maybe manage those a little bit better. Uh, I would definitely hope so. I don't want to be that person anymore. So, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I I find it funny that you brought that song up. It's been a long time since I've listened to it, and I can't really remember how it goes. And I don't I don't really know the lyrics. <laughs> so if you <laughs> if you try to if you try to drill me on lyrics, I'm going to be so lost. <laughs> There's something else about bargain. And that's the high notes you sang on some of the vocals. So, I don't know, were your pants too tight when you were recording it? Yeah, uh, <laughs> trying to think, because I do, I, yeah, at the very end, is it, do I get really high up there? Really, really high. Uh, I don't know, I just, like, those notes sometimes are just a lot easier for me to sing than they are to do lower notes. Mm -hmm. Like, I have a range that's kind of weird, like, it, it fits in a certain threshold um, in the lower register, but then there's like a big block where it's really hard for me to find an in-between. Like I, I have to push really hard or I have to kind of like go to an octave lower. And then there's this other range that's really high that's incredibly easy for me to hit. So sometimes I find myself going to that register and doing that. It, it often depends on the key of the song. Mm -hmm. If it's in A sharp, 
which I think that song might be, then I can really hit those high notes with ease. If it's a song like in the key of E, we're really struggling. If it's in the key of G, we're also really struggling. So over the years, I've had to figure out what keys work best. But my brother did bring up the point the other day because I was like, we should just write every song in one key. And he's like, no, I think the reason why the ongoing concept is able to stay a little bit more unique is because we have we have songs in every single key. Like Exactly. I, I think the only key we haven't done yet is like either G sharp or F sharp. But yeah, we just we just go all over the place. And it we just like to see what fits best. And I think that kind of helps us stay a little bit different than than other bands. Because listening to a full record in the same key does get a little bit monotonous after a while. Nothing left to do. So 
<laughs> I told you that Dawson Schultz can hit the high notes. That was Bargain from the Places release. Thanks for getting into the antidote. Wednesdays, you can hear us at 9 p.m. Eastern on Trent Radio in Peterborough, Ontario. Zed Radio The Mix delivers the antidote Friday and Saturday nights at 9 Eastern. And Effect Radio airs the antidote on all 59 stations on their network every Saturday at 10 p.m. Pacific. Wherever you find us, thanks for tuning in. Now, if you've been anxiously waiting to hear about the new album again from the ongoing concept, you're going to need to be patient. Next week, Dawson will get into that on the second part of this double feature. The Again album is all about having songs that are callbacks to earlier ones from the band. That also happened on the Places release. The ongoing concept recorded Cover Girl for their 2013 Saloon release, and it made a huge impact. But would they do it all over again? Let's hear about that from Dawson, then we'll run Cover Girl and The Print back-to-back for a comparison. Thanks for coming to The Antidote, and I'll see you next week. You just brought this up. Something that there's no question about is that the ongoing concept is likely the wildest band in the entire music scene. I mean, your style heads all over the place. You incorporate so many genres, and sometimes even in a single song. Do you think it's really okay to be unpredictable? Um... So the thing is, like, I, I hate, like, being a gimmick. Like, that's always been, like, a fear of mine is becoming a gimmick. And so I put a lot of time into making sure that we don't cross that threshold. Like, I think CoverGirl is probably the most gimmicky we've ever been. I think that song, too, was the start catalyst of me really taking the reins back and, like, looking at it, like, sleeping on something first before I actually, like, pull the trigger. Because after that song came out, Everyone just assumed that we were banjo core or something like that. And it's not what we are at all. Mm-hmm. So I started to really take my time to figure out, like, what does the song actually, like, need? Opposed to, like, what could we throw in it to throw people off? When I write a song and I get to a spot where I don't know where the song's going to go, I'll usually just try a few things. But oftentimes, like, I'll just think about what it could be. And if I get like chills or like goosebumps of thinking about what that could be, then I'm like, oh, maybe we should try something like that. Like, it's really weird how I write music because we don't write like in a a room where we're all playing the instruments and then come up with the music. We all kind of write in the box recording in our Pro Tools or whatever. So Mm -hmm. we are we are constantly recording. And a lot of the stuff we do in demo is is good enough quality. So I have a legitimate studio here, like good enough quality that, you know, we can save that for the final take at the end of the day. But oftentimes we're just writing in blocks and then you know we're not really sure we're going to go next and then it's like well let's just add like an 80s uh synth wave thing here and see what happens and then (laughs) you know so it's like oh yeah there's there's not really a lot of it's not really a lot of like oh this would be crazy because people think it's crazy type thing it's more just like it would be really cool and i think it'd sound really cool if we did this that's just kind of how we roll i don't know Going back to Cover Girls, since you mentioned it, it sounds like you almost regret having recorded the song. I don't regret it at all. It was a perfect song, like 100% great. Like the banjo was great. Like everything about that song was absolutely in there for a reason. Like the banjo came because it felt like that would be a great thing to add. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing was like after hearing 
all of the banjo core stuff and hearing people just assume that we were just this like crazy like southern rock bluegrass banjo crazy screamo band i started to realize like i don't want to be put into like uh one category i want to make sure that like if we're doing this we're doing it for a reason so instead of me adding more banjo to more songs or adding like i don't know i'm trying to think of like a good example like like what if we did a song with like sitar or something like off the wall like it would feel at that point a little bit more gimmicky so i just mm-hmm. i used that that song was just a learning curve of like you know be careful because you could step over that line and then now everyone just associates you with like the weird instruments in songs band and not like a band that just has like good wholesome songs now you had some fun with cover girl it wasn't a parody of it but you had some fun with it on the places release because the print says We've done oh, something yeah. like this before. We're just writing the coattails of another song. I don't <laughs> want to do this one. So you were laughing at yourself. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny because like we were thinking about like for this, for the new album, there's a reason why that song, there's no cover girl again song on the new record because I forgot uh, till, you know, we were naming the songs and coming up with the concepts is that we already did a part two of uh cover girl in places yeah you're right forgot about that i mean i didn't forget about it but I, it's funny that you are that well versed in our discography <laughs> <laughs> hey kids gather around i want to tell you something yeah yeah come on clap your hands here we go clap clap one two three four stop it
young boy My mama said to me, son Don't be like the other boys Just follow your own fate And I said, mama, don't you be afraid Don't worry about a thing Cause when I grow up, I'm gonna be an artist Not a cover girl I said, don't be the brain Of someone else's painting Oh, don't be the brain Of someone else's painting Oh, don't be the brain Of someone else's painting Oh, stop being the brain Stop being the brain Stop being the painting Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Oh, 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 oh Oh, yeah, 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 yeah Yeah, 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 yeah Just writing the coattails of another song. So, no, I don't want to do this one.